for week three of the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach David Carl. My name is Matthew McGreevy. The Denver Pioneers entering their final week of the NCHC pod. In fact, we're in it with games ahead, including Miami, Western Michigan, and St. Cloud State. The Pioneers 3-4 and four for their first seven games and ranked 8th in the country. DC, uh, going into the final week of the NCHC pod, uh, just your thoughts on, on what transpired in the previous week and what you see out of your team going forward here. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we're excited for, for the last three games here. You know, we had a good game yesterday against Western Michigan, um, and we end the pod probably with our busiest stretch with, with four and six nights. So, um, you know, but last week, looking back, I thought, um, you know, we took some of the lessons learned from the first week, obviously starting with North Dakota. We, we, we talked about that last week, but really good um, game out of us. Really liked our third period. Uh, same with Miami. Uh, we were able to put pucks in the back of the net and liked our third period again uh, that night against Miami, going three, you know, up 3-1 going into the third and able to extend that lead to 5-1 to one and make it a little bit more comfortable uh, was nice. And then the, the Duluth game, uh, you know, they're again, they're a really good hockey team. Uh, we liked our game for two periods. We're down 2-1 going into the third. Uh, felt like we were in the hockey game and obviously within striking distance. And um, unfortunately, uh, things went off the rails a little bit with uh, penalty trouble, um, you know, early in the period there, them getting a power play with the five-minute major and then uh, myself taking a bench minor uh, to have us go down five-on-three for a full two minutes during that five-minute major. And obviously kept key scores on it. And uh, makes it out of reach uh, at that point, but I did like our. We didn't seem to go away in the game. I, I thought we continued to to try and press and be able to get um, involved in in uh, get ourselves back in it, and then um, you know getting into our our most recent game here against Western Michigan after a couple of days off. Uh, liked our game a lot. We were very disciplined. First time we haven't taken a bad penalty. Here in the early going, which which helped us a lot. So uh, certainly things to build on. I, I think we're we're getting better. We're becoming a closer, tight knit team with all the time spent here. And um, at the end of the day, that's really important as well. There's a lot of places to go with this, but I guess we'll start with the Western Michigan game uh, because you, you saw the goaltender, the Yale transfer, Corbin Kaspersky, get his first start. Magnus Krona had played every game to date uh, before then, but Kaspersky gets the start yesterday. So what were your thoughts on, on how he performed? Yeah, um, I, I like Corbin. Um, I thought his energy was good, his compete was good. Uh, came out of the net, played the puck a few times, made a really big save in the second period on Gallant. Um, he kind of got a half breakaway and uh, thought he tracked the puck really nicely into his glove. And uh, then there was a few other times in the throughout the night where he got his timely whistles by finding pucks that were, you know, rebounds um, in and around his feet or, you know, pucks that came off the end wall and back to the net front that he was able to smother and, and get his key whistles. And then in the six on five, you know, they had the puck in our end for really the last minute 45. And I thought he stood tall and, and did a real good job in that moment. So uh, he's certainly been in those situations before, four years of college hockey, seen seen a few things. Um, so it was good to get him into the lineup. Thought he gave us good energy and uh, we liked his game. So we definitely have two good options in goal. 
you come down on that that six on five, and there's a face off with four seconds left. As a coach, what do you what do you do uh, in that situation? Obviously, you want to throw out your first face off guy, your top face off guy, which for you is Cole Cutman. Um, but what what other things are you looking at there? Are you looking at every every possible scenario, or is it just uh, let's let's pray we win the draw? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's get like you said, get the right guy on the ice. And in Gutman, we wanted him out there after calling the timeout. And then uh, with four seconds, I mean, it, it is enough time. So then you go through the loss of you know what you maybe think they will do, and just go over a few responsibilities uh, with you know potential one timer option to the weak side, or if they try and get the puck to the middle of the rink, um, because like I say, four seconds, it's not. You know, second and a half, you, they're, it's really predictable on what they're going to do. But four and a half, they, they definitely got a little bit more time to try and draw up their own plan and figure out what they're going to do. I think that was the biggest apprehension in taking the time out is they didn't have one. And so when you're looking at that situation, um, you know, if we were a little bit fresher, I definitely would not have called the time out. Uh, because I knew that their guys were tired, but we were just we had been in our own end for quite some time. We weren't able to get a change, so getting the getting the timeout I thought was important um, from that standpoint. And obviously Cole wins the faceoff as he has uh, and did against uh, North Dakota in the six on five situation. He won two big faceoffs against Pinto in that game when we were up a goal late, and he did the same against Western Michigan last night. So it was uh, happy for Cole. He's he's wanted to grow his game, you know, into different pieces and being on the ice and in big moments when we're up a goal, uh, just as much as when we're down a goal. I think Cole's known for his offensive play and for Cole to, you know, be able to get out there when we're up a goal uh, speaks to the maturity that's coming into his game and the trust that he's building with with our staff and his teammates and within himself to to prove it to himself that uh, that he can operate and and execute in those big moments is is a really good sign for his development and our team's development. Listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach David Carl, Campus Lounge located at 701 South University Boulevard. We talk about Cole Gutman. And he's your top face-off guy right now, right around 53%. That's a part of your process. That's one of the five things that you try to tick off after every game and say, if we reach these five things, we're usually positioned to have success, and, and quite often you do. Uh, but face-offs were an area that it looked like this team struggled out of the gate. And maybe that was due to the fact that you were playing pretty difficult competition in North Dakota, Minnesota, Duluth, St. Cloud State. But... Have have you seen the team take a step in that department? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I thought we saw really good intensity from our wingers um, on a few occasions last night against Western Michigan or yesterday afternoon against Western. Uh, but there's no doubt we need to be better um, in the circle. Uh, I think we, we are better from our, our first three games when – we were getting uh, beat pretty cleanly on multiple occasions. I think we're creating some more 50-50 scrums, and it's good to get live fire. I mean, the guys, like we've talked about a few times, they, they were working on face-offs um, prior to coming into the pod. But when you when you have live fire and you're going against guys other than, than your own teammates, it, it does make it a little bit different. So we've tried to encourage them to be creative. I think you're seeing um, 
certainly you've seen Stapley do some different things to try and win faceoffs in different ways. I think, um, you know, same with Gutman and, and Webster. So uh, it's not where it needs to be. And we, we weren't above 500 last night, but we are winning a few more. And we do, we are a team that likes to run faceoff plays. So when when we do win them, we have opportunities to make plays either in the ozone or coming out of our own end. And I think that's something that we've tried to do as coaches is call more faceoff plays on the bench because I, I think it gets the guys a little bit more mentally engaged and, and maybe gets them excited um, to try and win that 50-50 battle. So um, certainly an area that we can get better at, but we are improving. The practice time is interesting. And you've mentioned this earlier this week and in, in at various different times that we've talked. Uh, but you practiced today. You had a really short practice. Um, you almost went, I believe, a week with maybe one or two practices earlier in the pod. Um, correct me. It was one practice, correct? You played on or you practiced on Wednesday, and you went all the way to the the next Wednesday. We went. Uh, we've typically been able to practice Monday and Wednesday. So we went Wednesday um, last week, and then we our first practice since then was the uh, was this week's Monday. So, yeah, it's, it is interesting though, not having uh, as much as we're used to for sure. Is that something where did did you expect that when you're outlining what this pod would potentially look like? Uh, is is that something that you planned for? Did you plan to not be on the ice this much? Yeah, we did. Um, you know, we talked as a staff and went over the game schedule um, and tried to look at you know ideal times to practice um, or days to practice. I should say because we don't we don't get to choose our times. They're assigned to us with eight teams here everybody has an ice slot and so it it really usually gets selected based on your game time the following day so you know we're a 7 30 game uh tomorrow night so our practice was a little bit later today it was it was a 10 30 uh to 11 30 ice slot today and miami the opponent we're playing their ice slot was at 1 30 today so um yeah that was one of the things that we spoke to a few of our NHL contacts about, you know, actually sent them the schedule and said, hey, what, you know, what would you do if you have ice available every day? You have pregame skates available. Here's the game times. Here's the, um, we didn't know the practice times then, but here's kind of the basic schedule. What would you do? And, you know, I think that's the the biggest thing we try to do is is learn from others who have been in this situation and we got some good insight from from the people we spoke with we have our ncaa mandated day off that we have to take or we can't get on the ice to do any activity and we've done both of those on sundays um and so that that's kind of how we tried to prepare and, and build it out and i think it's worked well I, th- I think we're we're cognizant of the guys energy levels and trying to make sure that we're efficient with our on ice time because you know it is more of a pro schedule than it is the standard college schedule so I think our guys are enjoying it. I we're enjoying it as coaches. The amount of games is a lot of fun, and it's it's fun to turn the page and prepare for the next opponent um, here in the pod. How, what what is your sense for uh, the bodies right now? The rest, and I, I ask because I keep hearing these questions in post game press conferences. It seems like it's the popular question to ask right now around game seven or eight. Is how are the bodies feeling? Uh, are guys tired? Are guys banged up? Um, but there's also got to be something to the fact that we're talking about guys that are 18 to 24 years old and their bodies recover pretty quickly. They just came off uh, a really long hiatus since March, albeit aside from the practice they had leading up to the pod. Mm-hmm. But 
Is there too much weight put into that at times, do you think? Or is that pretty bang on for playing the amount of games you're playing, which I believe is maybe, is it 10 games in, in 19 days, I think is what it came out to be exactly for, for you guys and obviously on the road for a few more days longer than that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's something that we certainly are aware of and are trying to plan for. Um, I'd be curious to hear, and I should probably go look it up, see what other coaches are saying, but I feel like the energy in our guys are pretty good. I mean, you get it from how they're talking at meals, how they're interacting with each other, and um, their energy and spirits have been up. They're laughing at meals and having a good time with each other. And um, so I don't, I don't really see it as um, a major issue at this time. Um, ask me in, you know, four days or five days after we're done with these, these next three games. I mean, th- this will be a challenge. There's no doubt about it with uh, three games and four nights uh, coming up here with Miami Western and St. Cloud, but um, I don't, I don't see it as a major issue right now. I think it's a fun question to ask um, coaches, but I don't think many coaches are also going to start throwing out that they're tired and using that as an excuse. So um, I think our guys have managed it well. We've, we like we've talked about here in the past, we were able to have uh, Nicole Fowler out from our sport performance staff, uh, Matt Shaw from our sport performance staff, and. Fairman, that's just a fancy way of saying our strength and conditioning staff. Uh, they they've rebranded themselves to Sport Performance, so um, we've we've had them out for two and a half weeks of this pod with us, helping us manage our our energy levels and doing different things away from the rink. And um, you know, our guys wear GPS and um, tracking monitors, and they they measure their the stress on their bodies when they're on the ice. And so we have all that data. There, there's quite a bit of science that goes into it than, um, than just my feel or uh, our coaches feel. And that uh, should make our players feel good and, and everybody else feel good. So there is science-based evidence behind what we're doing and um, how we're training and the amount of rest and work that we're giving the guys. And um, I, I think overall they, they feel good and um, as good or not better than what they thought they would feel at this point. You're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach David Carl, Campus Lounge at 701 South University Boulevard. When we come back, we will talk about that stretch of three games and four days to close out the NCHC pod for the Pioneers. That's next on ESPN Denver 1600. Let me tell you a thing or two about the people who don't compromise. They love Pepsi Zero Sugar. Why? Because it's got all the flavor and zero the sugar. How's that for not compromising? They're the sort of person that likes surf with their turf. And the drink with their feast? Yeah, they have a Pepsi Zero Sugar. The person who doesn't compromise loves a good golden doodle. All the golden retriever goodness with just a hint of doodle. And when they're bringing said golden doodle for a walk, they bring a Pepsi Zero Sugar. Zero Sugar, done right. That's what I like. DU hockey fans, stop by Campus Lounge, legendary DU hockey bar and home of the David Carl Coaches Show. Take advantage of daily food and drink specials along with 12 TVs, a large outdoor seating area, and a great selection of food and drinks. Located just north of campus on University Boulevard, Campus Lounge is an official watch party location for your pioneers and has got you covered for all DU athletics. Be sure to follow us on social media and go Pios.
Let's just try not to embarrass ourselves and everything will be fine. Is that a Pepsi Wild Cherry? Oh, no. <laughs> Too late. You know something, Steve? Flavor Mania is about to run wild. No, not Flavor Mania. <laughs> Pepsi Wild Cherry is about to drop a flavor suplex right into your pie hole. Not the pie it's going to hit your taste buds with a top rope elbow of flavor. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be refreshing. It's going to. Does this always have to happen when you drink Pepsi Wild Cherry? You better believe it, brother. Pepsi Wild Cherry, now available in Zero Sugar. That's what I like. We are back for the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach, David Carl. My name is Matthew McGreevy. The Denver Pioneers getting set for a three-game and four-day set that will start on the 17th when they take on Miami at 6.35 p.m. Mountain Time and Western Michigan on the 19th. That's Saturday at 3.05 Mountain Time and then on Sunday against St. Cloud State and that game as well at 3.05 Mountain Time and that will close it up for the NCHC pod for the Pioneers. After that, it's right into the second half of the season. Pioneers ranked 8th in the country right now looking at the polls. There's a little bit of a shakeup, and of course the NCHC still has a, a pretty good domination of the, the top half of the polls with Minnesota Duluth at 3, North Dakota at 4, Denver at 8, St. Cloud at 9, Omaha sneaking in at 17, and you will of course see St. Cloud State in that final game of the NCHC pod. But I wanted to ask this because there's a new team on top of the polls, and it's Minnesota, and it's been some time since we've seen Minnesota at the top of the polls, and there's a coach there that spent some time in the NCHC at St. Cloud State in Bob Motzko. And, uh, D.C., what have, you, uh, have you had any time to see the Golden Gophers? And, and uh, I guess what has led to the, the resurgence for them to, to find themselves top-ranked uh, team in the nation right now? Yeah, they, uh, I think it starts with the, uh, their assistants come to our, our summer ID camp. So I think it probably starts there. Uh, we rubbed off some of our winning ways on them. Um, but no, they've, they've got a really good staff uh, led by Bob Motzko and uh, Garrett Raboyne and, and Ben Gordon are, are good friends um, as well. And, you know, I just think that you know, since they, I think they're in their third year there now, and they were real young uh, their first two years. I think spent a lot of time teaching and coaching, and um, you know they're they're a little bit more of a veteran group uh, here this year, and um, especially on their back end, they had a lot of young players that came in as true freshmen, and Garrett Raboyne, who uh, worked with the defensemen at Saint Cloud State, did a real good job with with their decor along with Mike Gibbons. Um, I think is you know under his tutelage there at Minnesota they're getting a lot better and um, they look like a team that's that's really on a roll right now so um, we're we're hopeful that we get to play them at some point this year because if we do it means we're both um, probably playing pretty well into the into the postseason so be a fun challenge to, to take them on a former WCHA foe that uh, we're trying like heck to to get on our non-conference schedule as well so I can tell you that. I know we've asked this before about North Dakota, uh, but is maybe the, the same holds true, so I guess I'll get the answer here. Is is college hockey better when Minnesota is better? Uh, I don't know. I don't lose any sleep when they're not very good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, probably it's, you know, they've had a few down years here, and I think college hockey's been pretty good. So um, I don't think that college hockey needs them to be good for it to be good I should say but I'm sure their fan base and uh you know they're blue blood in college hockey and 
the media loves to talk about them. So I'm, I'm sure it's good for everybody that they get to talk about the Golden Gophers and um, how, how great they're doing. So we got a lot of respect for them and their program and um, certainly would, would relish and enjoy the opportunity to get to play them hopefully at some point this year. I suppose I'm part of that contingent right now that's giving them, giving them some grace, but... That's okay. College hockey's better when Denver's better. We'll say yes. that. We'll keep yeah. it there. Um, but also, we, we talk about the polls and how they look right now, and, and who knows if these polls are going to be what they use to decide uh, who's in the NCAA tournament because obviously things are a little bit shifted this year. But there have been so many upsets alone in this NCHC pod. Colorado College, uh, probably one of the biggest, uh, upsetting Minnesota Duluth just a few nights ago. Um, have you been surprised at all by, by what you've seen? Um, I mean, surely there has to be some element of it, uh, some element of surprise for, for these, these bottom, I don't want to call them bottom tier teams, but teams that haven't had as much success in the conference finding a way to get it done against a team like Minnesota Duluth that it's coming off back-to-back national championships. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's a totally different environment here, and so I think you're going to see um, – some perceived upsets, but you know the the environment is very different for players, coaches, everybody to not play the same team back to back, to not have, I guess, the opportunity to prepare for three four days for an opponent, and you know there's certainly some some teams, and we could be labeled as one of them that does better with you know our our weekly routine and being able to prepare uh, structurally and and mentally and physically for an opponent on a given weekend and. Um, so, but we're all out of our comfort zone with that, and um, some teams are maybe handling it better than others. And um, you know, the other thing is, I think everyone's turning the page so quickly in the pod here from game to game. Like you're just, it's on to the next game. You you always feel like you have an opportunity and a chance. There's not much thought that goes into it. I mean, um, if you're preparing for for Minnesota Duluth for, you know, three, four days, um, and you're a lesser tier team per se, then that might be a harder, um, thing to get up for, you know, but you get them on, uh, off a back to back or one game shot. Like I think everybody believes here in the pod and it's in, it's also in the early going of the season where everybody does still believe, um, you know, and I think we've seen that numerous times throughout, um this pod like the games have been really good back and forth the competitiveness has been very good um and so to see i don't know if they're as big as upsets as maybe they people want to make them out to be because the the circumstances are just so different and um at the end of the day i think the the cream will rise to the top as the year goes on with the rankings and with our league standings and um, we're seeing a really small snapshot of college hockey with the pod in a circumstance that's never been seen before. So I think, um, you know, to expect the unexpected, I guess, in the pod should have been what we were all expecting um, all along. So it, it is what it is. And obviously everybody's got three, four games left. To, and it's a sprint here to the finish to see how it all goes. Listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach David Carl. Campus Lounge located at 701 South University Boulevard just up the road from the Ritchie Center. And again, the Pioneers closing the NCHC pod this week with a three-game set starting with a game on Thursday tomorrow at 6.35 p.m. Mountain Time against Miami. That game will be on ESPN Denver. Western Michigan on Saturday, a game at 3.05 on 104.3 The Fan. And then on Sunday against St. Cloud State 
at 3.05 p.m. Mountain Time, and that game will be on ESPN Denver. Jay Stickney will be there for all those, as he always is. Uh, previewing these games, Miami is obviously a, a team that you, you beat 5-1 earlier, but as we just said, anything can happen here in the pot especially, so it's not nothing is a, is a guaranteed. Western Michigan just played them, beat them 3-2, and St. Cloud State um, got the best of you guys, a so 4-3. Um, so when you look ahead at these three-game sets, do you even look at the strength of the opponents, or do you just do you just look at your team and you say, we're playing three games in four days, and, and we have to use every bit of energy we have? Does it even matter who you're playing? How much adjustment goes into this? Yeah, um, yeah, there is adjustment, certainly. I mean, I think all three teams, um, their strengths and weaknesses are a little bit different, and we'll try and highlight some of those things to our guys prior to the games. Um, certainly our our structure and our execution is going to be the most important thing, um, but there are minor tweaks in, in what they do. I think with, you know, with Miami, it's they, they really uh, – the first 10 minutes, they were really good against us. They were the better team, and their puck pressure was really good, and we struggled to handle it. And so we're going to have to show that we can do that better. And, you know, I think with the other two, Western and St. Cloud, a similar strength is how good they both are off the rush. I mean, all five goals, uh, sorry, St. Cloud scored uh, four. Three of them uh, were off rush play. And then with Western, their two goals were off rush play. And so our rush D against those two teams will probably be something that we try and key in on um, to make sure that we're trying to negate that uh, as much as we can. So, yeah, I mean, you, you do see start to see tendencies and you get books on teams and um, with their habits and tendencies that we'll try and make our guys aware. And the good news is it's our second time playing all three of them. Our guys, nothing will surprise them or should surprise them. Um, given that they don't make those teams don't make any major adjustments so um yeah to your point it it is going to be a lot about energy levels and and managing that making sure that we're mentally and and physically fresh because three games and four nights again is is going to be a challenge for sure every once in a while we hear about usually some nhl player that has a recollection of every single goal they scored i want to say steven stamkos is one of those guys it could be off but i believe i believe that's been said about him before i've noticed that Every once in a while, when you're recapping games, you have a way to, to recap uh, exact plays. Or do you have a similar mind that way? Could you recall, if we were to look back at the schedule, could you recall every goal scored against? Uh, no. My my wife would say I have an awful memory, so I'm sure I'm impressing her with talking about some of the goals like this. But, no, I think the reason I can recall it is because I, I watch it on film um, more so than than anyone else has. So, um I personally, I don't think I have a great memory for that type of stuff. Uh, Monty was unbelievable. Another guy, Steve Miller. Um, it's funny, I was talking to him the other night about um, the old one two team at Denver, and he was reciting to me that John Foster scored in um, the first four or five games of that year, and first, you know, Sav's the first guy to do it since Foster, and... Um, you know, and, and then he's telling me how many games he was at that year and how many he was on the road recruiting. And, you know, he can literally, you know, go back and, and remember that. So there's not a guy that I've seen that's better than uh, Steve Killer Miller that all of our fans obviously know as the architect um, of, I think, modern-day Denver hockey, you know, since the turn of the century here. So um, he's done a great job recruiting and, and you know, laying a great foundation for us to all stand on here today. But he'll 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 be able to go um 
into games and he'll get goals down to the to the minute on the clock um, within a two to three minute window and in lead changes and and I'm not talking you know two years ago this is 12 15 years ago he it's seared in his brain um, from the from the one live viewing that he had of it and so the only other person that, that might be like that is uh, Monty's son Colin uh, he can he can recollect games and he's seven eight years old now and he was doing it when he was four or five he could uh you could ask him about the 17 championship run and he'd be able to recite to you all the scores from the tech game the penn state game the notre dame game and the duluth game so i'm not uh quite like those guys but i i try and try and stay educated on our on our past certainly you speak about steve miller uh and monty of course um one thing i've noticed just being a an a fly on the wall observer here in the pod uh, is is how connected you and the other coaches stay with people that are still very much associated with the program. But, for example, Steve Miller, now an assistant coach at Ohio State. Um, Derek Lalonde, an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning, is someone that you mentioned earlier. The, the team had the opportunity to hear from prior to coming to the pod. Uh, how how connected do you stay with with other coaches, other players, just throughout the season on a maybe day to day, week to week basis? Is this? It seems like it's quite a bit from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think that people, um, you know, when you have shared experiences and shared values and a shared, I think, passion for this program, it makes it easy um, to stay connected with people. And we're certainly uh, we have that. You know, we've we've got a lot of really great people that have made this program special and made it what it is. And so, uh, people have have kept. You know, they've had great experiences here and they've kept their passion uh, to a high level for the Denver Pioneer Hockey Program. And I think that that's one of the real staples of our of our program. And it it helps us in recruiting and keeps our alumni connected. And we have a great alumni group that. Um, communicate with each other a lot you know and we we golf with them in the summer and um, various guys from different eras and they all have their their classes group chat and they stay in touch and um, it's really uh, it's a really cool thing to be a part of and uh, we talk about it a lot but you know it's a lot of people have come and laid a groundwork here for us to to be able to stand on and we're really fortunate and blessed to have that and um, you know to stay connected with those people is it makes it all the more fun and, and worthwhile, you know. When a guy like um, Don Cameron texts me after uh, every game here in the pod that he, you know, he's watching, and Rod Summers, same thing. I mean, there's a lot of guys um, that watch and care. And the video we showed to our guys prior to um, prior to starting the pod was a bunch of alumni that that reached out and wanted to share their their good blessings and um, their good lucks for the guys. Uh, as we enter the pod here so you know we're really fortunate to to be a part of this program and it connects us all certainly that'll do it for the campus lounge david carl coaches show pioneers closing the nchc pod this week game on thursday saturday and sunday espn denver at 6 35 tomorrow against miami that's what will kick it off with jay stickney we thank you for joining us we'll see you next week